Spider-Man, a Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. A spins a web. All right, people. Let's start from the beginning. My name is TJ Starman, and in March of 2022, I was joined by two of my good friends, Infernal Griffin and Benjamin X, as we shared our personal list of the top five Spider-Man side characters we most wanted to see in a live-action movie. This came just ahead of the release of the notorious Morbius. Now a little over a year later, we're all basking in the beautifully animated glow of Across the Spider-Verse. And while it may not have been live-action, one of us absolutely nailed it with the mention of a particular character. In honor of Miles Morales' second foray onto the big screen, please enjoy a look back at our conversation from episode 204 in this Waiting in the Sky Rewind. All right, so with Morbius right around the corner, you know that we had to get talking a little bit of Spider-Verse, a little bit of Marvel action with this episode. So I brought on a couple of friends from my time in Omaha. One has been on the show already, uh, and that is Infernal Griffin making his return. Isaac, welcome in. Thanks for having me, TJ. Uh, And so in addition to Isaac joining us again, we also have Benjamin X uh, making his debut on the show. Hey, glad to be here, bro. We're glad to have you, Benjamin, joining us. Uh, So obviously, uh, Morbius is the next big step in what has become this wild, outrageous web of a universe uh, around Spider-Man. So we saw the confirmation that Sony and Disney at least acknowledge each other uh, (laughs) in in recent entries, Um, obviously most notably No Way Home. So it... I think that this movie is is has some added stakes uh, because we don't know exactly where they're going with the Spider-Man storyline in the Marvel Studios Sony realm, and also Morbius is is kind of an obscure character that they decided to make a full-blown movie about. So, what I decided would be a great talking point for us on this episode is creating top five lists of. Spider-Man side characters that we would love to see in a live action movie. And the one caveat is they can't have already appeared in a live action movie. So these would be the most anticipated to make a debut appearance. Uh, do you guys want to talk about just like your, your experience with making this list? What was it like for you? Uh, let's start with, with Isaac. Uh, for me, the list wasn't terribly hard. I had to refresh my memory on a few and just to see uh, from the comics perspective and then from, uh, you know, the 1990s animated television show. And then you had, you know, the video games. There's so many different characters that have popped in to Spider-Man's universe that we really haven't seen much on, at least on any sort of film other than these old series. We haven't seen anything major in the MCU or even in uh, Sam Raimi's or in the Amazing Spider-Man universe. So I'm kind of excited to get down to business here. There's a lot of good characters that were there to choose from. Absolutely. Benjamin, what was your experience? Uh... I kind of just ran a crash course on uh, obscure villains and stuff. Uh, went, went through a couple YouTube videos, went through a couple fandom sites, and um, it, it it was a great experience because uh, I I mean as much as I love Spider Man, I I wasn't I didn't grow up with the comics like that, so I didn't know like all this history of uh, of uh, 
throwing in vi- villains that may or may not work when Marvel was like doing more experimenting in the 80s and 90s and stuff. So it was it, it was a and I actually found one that I didn't even know existed, but I, I really kind of clicked with it and I saw a lot of potential in it. So the uh, not and now that villain has kind of made a staple in my mind. So it it, it it's it's an eye opener, really. It's it's it is pretty cool. This is this is gonna be interesting. It's exciting when you yeah, find I, those diamonds in the rough, isn't it? Right, exactly. It sounds like you guys had a pretty similar experience to to myself when I was doing this. Uh, Benjamin, you mentioned, um, you know, like discovering new characters or just learning new things about some that you knew already. Because uh, I also, you know, I didn't grow up reading the comics, but I loved the character, and so Isaac mentioned like the, the the cartoons and stuff and they marvel really did go crazy in the 80s and 90s so there was a lot to pull from here uh the the best way that i could think to have this conversation because we're kind of consolidating three top five lists is uh I, this is something that i this format is something that i saw in the top 10 podcast uh which is uh matt nose and john roca talking about movies and so what they do is they have what's called a punt and so we will start individually. We'll share our rankings one by one, starting with number five. So I'll go first. I'll say my number five is so-and-so. And And if no one else has that character on their list, I'm going to go into a a little explanation of that choice, a little background on that character and why I felt that they were deserving. If that character is on someone else's list, if they're at a higher ranking, we're going to hold off on that discussion until we get to that higher ranking for them. So that other person is just going to chime in and say, Hey, that's actually my number three. And then we'll wait till we get to that point to have the conversation. If they are the same ranking, then we'll just go ahead and have that conversation right then and there. Does that make sense guys? Makes complete sense. <laughs> Clear as mud. Yep. Uh, so l- let's kick it off. Um, I- I'll take, uh, I'll take this first entry and I'm curious to see if, if this one landed on, on either of your lists. Um, but I went with, Mayday Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Girl. Um, Spider-Girl land on, on anyone's list. No. Wait. Nope. Nope. All right. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll go into uh, my little take on, on Mayday Parker. So um, May, May Parker, nicknamed Mayday, is the daughter of Peter Parker and Mary Jane. So she has Spider-Man abilities. Um, by way of genetics, you know, handed down from Peter Parker. Uh, and so I didn't write down what universe she's technically from. Uh, I don't think it's super important with the way that they've just been folding people into whatever universe is most convenient at this point. But I did think with the, the sake of kind of the lineage and the family aspect of her being the daughter of Peter Parker, she could be introduced as a, if you haven't seen No Way Home, I, I'm sorry because I'm going to spoil a very spoiler. obvious spoiler. <laughs> she could be brought in as the daughter of Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker and Kirsten Dunst's uh, Mary Jane Watson. Um, so I think the groundwork is there for this character, and you get a you know a female presence in a hero role, which uh, would be good for the Marvel universe. Um, you could have some unique aspects with her being younger. Um, you could also see like if they still stick with kind of the uh, Spider Verse thing that they've been going with you could see her team up with uh like a miles morales or with tom holland's peter parker and then you get still kind of a younger perspective but a fun team up with that one um 
so yeah, that, that that's what I went with Mayday Parker. That's yeah, I I, I like the idea of the uh, the young kind of team up uh with the you know the, the kind of the polar opposite, especially since they're from different uh universes and stuff. Uh, I, I I didn't even consider that. That's a good idea. I like that. Multiverse potential is infinite, and I love this. I I didn't even think uh, I'll, I'll just be forth, forthcoming now. My list didn't focus on any sort of the hero aspect. I focused more anti-hero and villain. So hearing the hero takes, especially with like a Mayday Parker, well done, well done. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so Benjamin, let's let's start you off with number five. Uh, I got to be honest, like I guess I kind of misheard the list. I only ranked villains and stuff. I didn't know we could do like any character. So, oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, so I actually have some interesting villains. So uh, at the bottom of the list, <clears throat> I'm going to go with, and they've made a cameo in, in uh, Homecoming, but uh, I put Scorpion as uh, my number five. And uh, Scorpion is actually higher up on my list. And really? Yes. Scorpion is actually oh, okay, really high on my okay. list. Like, um, really high. Glad I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so... You so can... let's um go ahead. Let, this is our first instance here with a punt. So Benjamin is going to punt Scorpion, and then we will come back and allow uh, you two because Scorpion didn't end up on my list actually. Mm. Uh, so when Isaac shares Scorpion, uh, we'll let the two of you jump into that conversation. I mean, I'll just be uh, honest. Scorpion's my number one for at least for anticipation and things like that. There's I... a lot of <laughs> there's a lot with Scorpion that I love, and there's a reason talk a lot about spoilers <laughs> all right yeah well, you can clear some things up i've had about him uh oh yeah you bet. you bet yeah so it's good yeah moving on then moving on to spoiler mcspoilerson uh isaac who did you have at number five uh number five i actually had the hobgoblin so mm. i'm not sure if anybody else had them on their list so i'll wait for a second it was it was an honorable mention for me, mm. but yeah, it would have been the same for me because we have had we've had Ned Leeds, uh, obviously it, through these three yes we Marvel Studios, but we've not had Hobgoblin. Yes, and there's been different obviously iterations throughout the comics and through the TV shows of Hobgoblin, but the one obviously that most comes to mind for me was from the '90s cartoon. Uh, I'm not sure if it was still Ned Leeds there or not. I, that's the one thing I do not recall off, off the top of my head. But that was the initial build for the Green Goblin, both in the comics and in the television show. So that's kind of how the Green Goblin eventually came into being. It, they fed one into the other. It was uh, the same type of suit. Uh, the glider and the bombs and everything was all the same. And that's what initially fed to the Green Goblin, which is why I'm kind of been at least a little bit disappointed in Marvel's choice not to use Hobgoblin at all, especially when they led so hardcore in Sam Raimi's trilogy with Norman Osborn's Green Goblin right out the gate. Yeah, I, I think that's a good choice. Um, I think they teased it a little bit uh, with No Way Home, where I think it was it Toby. Toby was talking to Ned and was explaining basically how his best friend tried to murder him. Uh, and so I think they were hinting at Ned potentially making a villain turn and kind of taking on the Hobgoblin persona. Cause then he went and they did the MCU comic relief and had him like hug Tom Holland or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I never made that connection like at all that Ned, uh, from the, the Tom Holland trilogy was Ned Leeds, uh, who turns into the Hobgoblin that, that kind of blew my mind. That was something I kind of discovered after. 
but I, I uh, basically like I, it, it's really hard picturing that Ned that we we all know and love, the goofy guy turning into the hobgoblin. That's 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 a little nuts. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's some interesting things with with versions of characters that we've seen. That I, a little bit of a tease here. I'm gonna touch on that with one of my other entries as well. Mm. Um, so Hobgoblin coming in at number five for Isaac. Uh, I'm gonna jump into my number four, and it sounds like you both had had a villain focus. So th- I'm not sure if this is gonna jump on on either of your lists as well. But I went with uh, Ben Riley, who is the Scarlet Spider. I like that pick. I really do. That is that actually is a very good pick. It seems like so far it seems like you're a bit spider themed. So I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah, I did definitely go a little heavy on some some spider characters, <laughs> uh, which is good because I think if if we we're a little more balanced overall between the three of us. But yeah, I went Ben Riley, who if you're not familiar with the character, is a clone of Peter Parker. So this is Benjamin was talking about the uh, the craziness of the '90s, and so Ben Riley is a product of that era. Can confirm. Uh, yes, the the infamous clone saga. Uh, of Spider-Man in the 90s. Um, so he, he was a clone of Peter Parker, obviously has his same abilities. He looks exactly the same. Um, he initially was was created to fight Peter, so he was a, a villain initially, and then kind of pivoted more towards a hero role. And what's interesting is that he was actually supposed to be taking over for Peter Parker uh, in the comics, was the idea that, that Marvel w- wanted to get rid of Peter whether that was killing him off or having him just retire and have someone else take over the mantle. Uh, they were trying everything at this point because they were going bankrupt. So they, they introduced the Scarlet Spider, which was his hero persona that was different than just Spider-Man, which has the iconic costume, which is just the red with like the blue hoodie with kind of the graffitied spider logo across it, which I love. It's one of my favorites to wear in the Spider-Man uh, PS4 or PS5 game. That is a dope. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and um, his name, it, fun fact that I'll end off with here is, is his name is obviously Uncle Ben. So Ben and then Aunt May's maiden name, which is Riley. So that's where he gets his, his name from. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think he did actually take over as Spider-Man uh, in the comics at that time. But really, I would love to see him come in as the Scarlet Spider again, kind of in this multiversal uh, into the Spider-Verse team up with like our live action heroes, I think would be great. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Ben, Ben Riley is definitely a really, really good choice. Uh, he did have a short run as Spider-Man in the comics. And I think the only reason they pivoted back to Peter is just because it really wasn't doing that well, but that was a really good character, a really good arc. I really love to see the clone saga honestly unfold in either Sony's universe chunk or in MCU's. I don't care. That would be really cool to see. I could see it happening more so in Sony's universe because it's a little more out there. Um, but I, I think it, it'd be cool to see. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So number four, Benjamin, who did you have at number four? Oh, let me check. Uh, yes. So for my number four, I had Mr. Negative. Ooh, I didn't even think of him. Yeah, since we'll like, we've already, well, technically Kingpin, if we're considering a, considering spider-man uh what was the animated well i can't remember the title or the animated one. spider-man spider-man the animated series or no, into Spider- the spider-verse yeah I, I oh oh, i got you i wasn't sure if kingpin uh like fit um in this list of uh what hasn't been in a movie yet um but 
there there's a load of different crime bosses um in in spider-man's history because like spider-man isn't really like fighting giant entities or, or gods or whatever he's more of a you know like you know crime stopper you know it's just he's it's, so he deals with a lot of crime bosses there there have been several you know like tombstone and kingpin and and mr negative is um which i had not really known until i played you know the ps4 spider-man and i thought he he's a good character like um I, the main reason is because you know he's uh he's crime boss and there could be an interesting uh plot line with that and uh there's there's different people that he could hire as you know side villains and stuff uh but i really kind of chose him because if you if you put him like he looked great in an animated movie but if you put him in a live action with like the cgi we have today i think you know his look could be very stri visually striking in a in a in a movie absolutely that'd be awesome mm -hmm. and, yeah and we definitely saw in the video game the the duopoly between his normal personality when we were introduced to very early in the game versus his Mr. Negative persona. So that would have been, that would be, a, ooh. Yeah, no, uh, I think audiences really like uh, characters who put on, you know, like a different mask and, you know, and show their true colors, like on the other side of the screen, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that would work very well for a movie just like as an interesting plot point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. No. Right. So, Isaac, uh, moving on to your number four, who you got? Number four, I have Herman Schultz, a.k.a. The Shocker. Anybody else before I before I dive in? He he almost made it. I, I considered him, but he, he's not on my list or my honorable mentions. Cause so I'm my thing with, with The Shocker is he, he wasn't, like, totally outright, like, I'm The Shocker, but, like, that character kind of existed in Homecoming. Yeah, yeah but it wasn't it wasn't truly there, you know? Yeah, it, it's you when you think of the shocker, everyone thinks of the padded suit, the freaking <laughs> shockwave gloves. And he's kind of like your ordinary thug with a little bit of a superpowered piece of equipment. Right. So, but he's also one of Spider-Man's earliest villains. I believe he made his first appearance within the first 10 issues of The Amazing Spider-Man as one of the villains that one of the first villains Peter's ever faced after assuming the spider-man persona after with great power comes great responsibility and it's it's kind of there's so many things you could do with him like you said with the setup of using a crime boss hiring other minor villains uh shocker was also an initially a member of the sinister six there's so many different roles you can use him as whether it's a setup whether it's a main villain whether it's part of a villain team up there's just so much you can do with the shocker and I really haven't seen either Disney or Sony utilize that to the full potential. It, that's exactly how I put it. They haven't utilized uh, him at all. And yeah, he could, he, like, he's definitely fits that role of like, you know, um, the hired help who runs a muck in, in the city and causes a lot of distraction and takes up, you know, Peter Parker's time, you know, while, while, like a bigger storyline is kind of unfolding in the background. Yeah, I, I remember uh, the shocker in the the Spider-Man 2002 yeah. PlayStation 2 game, mm -hmm. uh, where you're like fighting him in the subway. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I think it could definitely work if they had like maybe it's an alternate. It is an alternate universe version uh, where he is fully decked out, like full comics 
shocker. I, I could totally get behind that for sure. Well, not to mention all the funny quips that could be involved. Are you kidding me? Just oh my the traditional God. Spider-Man yeah. quips that were thrown at this Yeah, <laughs> Yes, exactly. All the jokes that Spider-Man is known for, and especially the Tom Holland Spider-Man, I think, has done it the best, which is the little quips, the jabs. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would just, oh, I'm sorry. It would just did be you not so much like, fun. Did you not like Tobey Maguire quipping at Bonesaw? That's a nice shirt. Did your husband make you that? <laughs> it, it, Toby's Toby's was adorable. It just he didn't do it enough, in my opinion. I think I agree. It's it, it was <laughs> Toby also was cast like he was what twenty six, twenty seven when he initially got that role. He was a little older. Mm-hmm. And now I know Tom Holland's not exactly young either. He just looks like he's a twelve year old. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it's it, to me it always seemed like the younger Spider-Man's game was just like trying to figure out a way to get into these guys' heads. So it was quip, 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 quip. Uh, I thought Andrew Garfield actually did a better job of that than Tobey Maguire did. And I think Tom Holland has surpassed them both. I think they've just gotten gotten better with each iteration, realizing, wow, we've just underutilized that. But yeah, quilt face, pad, like pads. Like it looks like he's got freaking shoulder pads. Yeah, Michelin (laughs) man. He looks like he's got shoulder pads. You think think he's not going to take freaking advantage of that? It's like... Where do you from? Where do you where, where'd you come from? The Prada store, something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. How'd quarterbacks go? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, now we're we're up to number three. Um, my number three, and I feel I have a feeling this is gonna show up on on your list as well, and uh, that's Black Cat. Same that rank. Do you both have her? Yep. I had her as number three. I had her as number three yeah. also. Oh my gosh, the universal <laughs> number three. Uh, I love this. Well, this I love this good. so much. This is good. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll chime in a little bit and then let you guys explain your, your rationale here too. Um, I think Black Cat is, is the perfect next love interest for Tom Holland. And I think it, yeah. it lines up great with where No Way Home leaves him in the fact that like, he is going to still love Zendaya's MJ uh, but she doesn't know who he is, so it's not they're not going to have that relationship, and it's going to open the door for him to form a relationship, much like we've seen with Black Cat in the comics and the games in uh, the animated series, where it's kind of this, it's more of a, uh, it's it's more of just like a sensual relationship that they have, where it's not as deep as like his love interest with like Gwen and Mary Jane, um, but I think that that's. With the way that Tom Holland's character is now growing up, I think that he's primed for that type of relationship. And then for the moral complexity of her being, a, you know, a cat burglar, essentially Marvel's Catwoman, um, to Spider-Man's Batman, which we just saw uh, on screen, I think I think it's we're primed for that relationship. And I think this is almost inevitable at this point. What do you guys think? I I think exactly what you were just saying here, especially like after No Way Home and like how much, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man has been through. Like he's kind of like, I think he's like in that mindset where he's, he's focusing on being, you know, a hero and he doesn't really have much of a social life anymore because, uh, you know, everybody has forgotten him. So like, you know, I mean, so he, he meets a love interest, you know, while he's doing his thing. And it, it is kind of that that older, kind of more mature uh, type of central uh, relationship you were talking about, and I think I think that definitely fits like for Tom Tom's age and and uh, just like how much we've seen canonically. But yeah, she's I mean my 
reasoning for putting her there is because yeah, she's been she's been everywhere but the movies at this point. And yeah, she was in Amazing Spider-Man too. But like like I said, well, Marvel and Sony like to put in cameos and sometimes just not do anything with them. I mean, due to whatever circumstance. Um, so I definitely think you know she she's proved that she can work a lot in like you know the games, comics, and the animated series and stuff. So yeah, she's she's a great choice. She she needs her she needs her movie spotlight. You want to talk about an underutilized character within the Spider Verse? If you if Black Cat isn't somewhere within the top three of that, I I, I don't know what to say. You guys have already hit on it. Like it's. It already sets up with the MCU universe. I thought this set up great for 04 Spider-Man 2 when Tobey Maguire's Peter mm -hmm. Parker and Kirsten Dunst's MJ were kind of having their little rocky chunk of the early portion of the relationship. But what, but what happened in there? Not a whole lot of, a whole lot of nothing, basically. Well, I, I would say, but Isaac, to that point, it was... I think they should have done Felicia Hardy, Black Cat, in place of, of Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3. It yes. would have made much more sense. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, the setup was there in 2, where you could have at least dropped a hint, or at least I thought they did. I don't know. Maybe this is just my brain going back to when I was 12 years old, thinking, ooh, they're setting up Black Cat here. And then they used Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3 instead of Felicia Hardy. But Felicia Hardy, in and of herself is a heck of a character, has a heck of a backstory. There's so many different ways you can actually use the Black Cat backstory because there's bits and pieces in the comics where it's related to Captain America's super soldier serum as well. So you mm. could tie in that chunk as well as all of what we know and love about Black Cat's charm. She's got that super soldier enhanced flexibility, a little bit of extra strength. I mean, how else do you think those cat claws were climbing up a wall like that? You, you can't exactly just kind of be, you know, flimsy. Yeah, and, and one last thing on Black Cat before I think we can move on to number two. Uh, I, I think that's a good point. I didn't know that about the Captain America serum thing, but they, I know not everyone has dove super deep into the, the uh, Disney Plus series, but uh, on uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like they made the Captain America serum like something that was accessible. So like they could totally do something along those lines uh, in the MCU. They, def oh, they definitely could. And it's it, like we've said now, now that we've noticed it in between no way home Falcon and the winter soldier, it's primed for a comic book like reveal. And just to get a little bit into the story of the comics of that, it was uh, Felicia Hardy's father was the original cat burglar. He, he was a big time art thief. That's how Felicia's family ended up with a lot of money, but what happens? Kingpin finds out, blackmails her father, father's too old to do the job, trains Felicia to do it. Felicia does it, gets captured by Kingpin's goons, or maybe it was the government, I forget which. There, there's been a couple iterations, but then, yeah, that happens with the super soldier serum, and boom, she's a better cat burglar, and she can actually go back and forth between a black cat persona, because Felicia's heart, Felicia Hardy's hair is not naturally white. It's not naturally white. It's, I believe it's blonde, I believe. But the, the transformation sequence is what made it white. She could shift between her black cat form and her normal form. Yeah, I think, I, because I'm nerding out, I am going to jump in with just one more thing, and then we'll transition. Nerd out harder. Uh, <laughs> because the MCU loves to do this thing where they kind of tweak uh, relationships and storylines, origins from the comics just a little bit. 
in ways that make sense for the most part. I think if we were able to see some sort of connection between Felicia Hardy as this cat burglar with um, the Prowler, which we saw Aaron Davis played by Donald Glover in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Like yeah. if he became the Prowler and like maybe what if they were partners uh, and that's part of the origin story of Felicia Hardy, like it would make Ooh. a lot of sense. In- Ooh, you're giving me nerd goosebumps. <laughs> and I, and I would love to see more Donald Glover uh, in the Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. That'd be, that'd be awesome. So uh, number two on my list is one I'm actually super excited about, and that is Silk. All right. Not, not showing up on anyone else's? No, but uh, okay. I do remember the name. Mm-hmm. It, yep, TJ's is very spider-heavy. It is, it is. Uh, it's the last one, I promise. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> so for, for anyone who doesn't know, Silk is uh, Cindy Moon, and her origin story, she's essentially another Spider-Woman, uh, but her origin story is that she is actually a classmate of Peter Parker's. Um, and so she was bitten by, I think it was the same spider, um, the same day that Peter Parker was bitten and got his powers. So what happened is there was some multiversal shenanigans. Uh, she's a more recent comic book character, so they were able to kind of retcon some of that storyline for her origin. Um, and so I think she like kind of sheltered and hid away for years. And so the idea is that she was always around, but she wasn't, <laughs> uh, which is the best way to retcon things. And so I, I think uh, it, it's great representation. Not only is she a female character, but also uh, she's a Korean American in the comics. So you could also get some, some representation there for the Asian community. Um, she also has some awesome relationships in the comics as well that they could build off of. Um, so not only was she classmates with Peter Parker, um, but she is also like frenemies with black cat. So that would tie in perfectly and also uh, dated Johnny storm. And so we know that the Fantastic Four is coming in soon. You could have that as a nice little nod to the comics as well. Have the Human Torch and Silk um, maybe hit it off at some point. So I think Silk has a lot of potential, and I'd love to see it. She sounds really cool, honestly. Yeah, I think I've I think I've glossed over her a couple a couple times. I de- the name definitely seems familiar. Um, that's a great yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, it's definitely it's another a- one. Oh. I'm a sucker for the costumes, and <laughs> her costume is also awesome. Right. <laughs> I should have I should have figured you for a costume sucker at this point, but uh, yeah, Silk's character it is more recent. It's, I think it's been primarily within the last decade or so that she's really gotten exposure, and that could really really work. It could work well. It could obviously multiverse shenanigans. You never know what's gonna happen. Not bad. Totally. Benjamin, you're number two. All right. So here's the character I came across uh, that I had no idea was even a thing, but. I personally saw a lot of potential in in this in this villain, and that is Spot. So Spot is I forgot I I don't know what his actual name is. Spot is this real obscure Spider-Man villain um, that basically uh, back in the day um, he's got a white costume and a bunch of black spots on him, and his power is. All those spots on his costume are actual uh, portals that he can pull off of him and use to to transport himself or other things and stuff. And uh, the I really think like it, it, it's a cool. I think it's really like a cool like uh, fighting style potential and 
and like that would be a like a really sick fight like between like Tom Holland and uh and Spot because like just think about it he's just like he's just peering out of nowhere you know holes here and there it's just you know keeping Peter Parker's spider sense like on edge like always firing off and stuff and um I think back in the day he didn't really take off that much because he had a he didn't really have a personality but they could fix that in a movie like they could they could really like write him out to be a really good character and they could they could really like you know with modern uh with modern like costume design in films like they could really like make him look sick and stuff like he could be he could be a real threat but yeah i had no idea about this character but i i just thought you know there's there's a lot of interesting potential uh, f- uh like fight wise and also like i like the costume it was it was actually not that bad and um and you know they could they could give they could write him a personality you can always fix that with iterations and stuff so that that's my uh number two is spot that is a deep cut and i'm here for it i uh i was vaguely familiar with spot but i definitely wouldn't have thought of him as a, as a spider-man villain so like i obviously didn't know that much about him so uh yeah no i think that'd be cool i would definitely just hearing your description i get some some polka dot man vibes from yeah. uh, the suicide squad it's pretty much what he looks like <laughs> yep of course i decided to go diving on the internet just to see like okay because like i i had a faint idea of who it was and you could do a lot you could actually set it up with just his base character like he might not even have to make an appearance in a movie for maybe a, like a film or two, it could be a little bit later, but he, apparently he was a scientist initially working for Kingpin. Yeah. And then, and then an accident happens as it seems to with all supervillains. And uh, yeah, the, the, the spots on his suit end up being uh, more or less interdimensional transport devices that fists and whatever he can hide in. It, it's, it's, a, it, he's got an amazing story and that could easily be, a very very interesting build villain to like a big bad in a trilogy that would work really well totally totally i also think uh just kind of looking looking at this ben mentioned it but there's there's a lot of really cool things that they could do with like a fight sequence or 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 something like that and so uh yeah absolutely if a quick google image search of spot uh is awesome (laughs) i recommend it (laughs) There's a really cool uh, drawing in one of the comic arcs where he has like his hands just going through all throughout his body, like poking out on different ends. It's kind of like like when you put your your hands on your head, like you're going insane, but it's just his hands were protruding out of all the holes of his body. And it, it, it was an interesting piece of art, I thought. So yeah, mm-hmm. I thought he was, I thought he was very visually interesting and has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Isaac, your number two. Okay, my number two, and I'm not a, I'm not sure if there have been any major cameos for this one, and I'm going to be a little disappointed if this is not on either of your lists, but because uh, it, it hasn't really been in a major film yet that I can recall, there might have been a cameo here or there, and there's obviously hints at a solo film upcoming for this character, Craven the Hunter. Yes, that was uh, that was actually my number one. Okay, so, then I'll then oh, I will. You guys lined up well. I will happily punt this one for the next round because. There are reasons I like Craven and Scorpion so much. That's why they're my number one too. Yeah. So, uh, just a little bit before we get into the full conversation there, but yeah, uh, Craven Craven is confirmed for a solo movie. They actually, I believe, they cast uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was Quicksilver in uh, Age of Ultron, as Craven. So 
uh definitely definitely uh, a lot of steam behind that choice for mm-hmm, sure. mm-hmm. there there was that behind it and there's obviously some other really interesting things they could do so he fits i would have pictured somebody a little more burly but he is older than he was when he was quicksilver and i'm sure he'd look pretty fire with craven's beard mustache combo yeah yeah totally uh so so we kind of well we have revealed both of your number ones my, mm-hmm. my number one is the only one left uh so i i was surprised that this didn't come up on, on either of your lists but again this is kind of an anti-hero slash hero and you both focus more on villains so i went with agent venom uh so which this is a version of venom in which the venom symbiote is uh bonded to flash thompson um and this so is, for me, this actually was an honorable mention. I thought really hard on this just because of the storyline behind it alone. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I really like this version of the Venom character because um, they've done a lot with him recently. And like even going, putting him as part of like the Guardians of the Galaxy. So like you have the potential to do in some some cosmic storytelling in that realm with him. But I, uh, I already made a callback to the Raimi Spider-Verse uh, already, but I would do this again because I would cast uh, Joe Manganiello as Flash Thompson. I would take his Flash Thompson and make him Agent Venom because the storyline of Flash Thompson is that, uh, or of Agent Venom is that Flash Thompson, who was the high school bully, goes on to uh, enlist in the military. He ends up being a part of like um, secret like strike force um, and then comes back and he, he's a war hero. Um, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and Isaac, it sounds like you maybe have some better grasp of the comics than I do, but he, he's injured. Um, IED takes his legs. Yes, yes. So, so he's obviously injured pretty bad. And so what the solution is uh, to save his life is he bonds with the Venom symbiote and becomes Agent Venom. So um, he's been portrayed as, as, as an anti-hero. Um, he is largely heroic. Um, I think standard Eddie Brock Venom is more of an anti-hero than Agent Venom is. Agent Venom is more heroic, but it, it's cool because he isn't the standard Venom that you know, because he also still uh, uses like military garb and things like that. So in a lot of ways, he, he kind of has some, some spawn vibes as well. Cause he'll like use guns and stuff, um, but still obviously have the symbiote power. So I, I would love to see that. And, and having seen uh, Joe Manganiello, as uh, Deathstroke in the uh, Justice League post-credit scene, I think he could definitely pull off a badass Agent Venom for sure. I yeah. just just for the the actor pick alone and the universe pick, it it, it would be a perfect little tie-in if they wanted to go more multiverse shenanigans, be, because of exactly the storyline and because the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man was 2000. That's when they were graduating high school, and then what happened? 9-11 and listen the military it, it would work so well within that toby Maguire chunk of the spider-man universe and i i'm a little sad like i thought maybe they could have done that with if raimi would have ever done a spider-man 4 initially that would have been one heck of a storyline because they did introduce venom but it really wasn't that great of a venom but yeah yeah we don't talk about <laughs> sam raimi Venom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, we don't there's two things we don't talk about and it's Bruno and uh Topher Grace Venom. <laughs> I have a sound alert for that, but I don't want to use our soundboard here. <laughs> All right. So, um we already revealed your two number ones, but it sounds like let, let's jump into the the Craven conversation, which was uh Benjamin's number one. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely pick Craven because he's, I mean, he's, first of all, he's a visually striking character. Like, he, you know, he wears this giant li- well, lion's pelt, I think, for his vest. Um, he's cut down the middle. He, his facial hair is on point. And I just really like the idea of the, the ultimate, like, big game hunter and Spider-Man being the ultimate game. I think that's a, that's a great storyline, like, having him like show like especially like have tom holland go against like some older guy who who is like absolutely ripped and and trained and just ready for a challenge and uh i think that'd be an interesting like young man versus you know middle uh not middle-aged but like older experienced man kind of uh kind of rivalry and like yeah he he has like so much he has so much personality too and and potential that's why i just think he's like so potentially you know uh is such a great choice i mean and and you know he's been in a couple of games uh i think he was like in the my, the amazing spider-man 2 game i did not play that one and he was in the animated series and yeah he he's uh He's a great choice. I I really think he's he's just one of the more interesting villains that you kind of you kind of want to root for, in in a sense. And yeah, so that's my take on it. Okay, I think you had you had Craven as your number two. Yeah, uh, between charisma, strategist, and hunter, just those three characteristics alone would make him one heck of an interesting villain let alone just having an interesting film, which they're probably going to, I'm guessing with the film they're going to be doing for him, which is going to be the next one in the Sony universe after Morbius, I'm guessing they're going to dive into the origin story, which is uh, obviously he was, I believe his origin is either Russian or Eastern European. Uh, I forget completely. I know it's, I know it's Slavic uh, that I know for sure. And yeah, Russian. Yeah. And he was just a big game hunter so he'd hunted all the biggest game around the world, and then he gets injured on a hunt in Africa. Uh, a, lo- a shaman nurses him back to health, and he gains powers from it. It's not, obviously, anything to the degree of, like, spider powers or super strength or anything like that. But it's, you know, more agility, better endurance. It's it's a little bit above... It's not quite superhuman, but it is above the normal human. There's a healing factor involved in whatever. But that would be such an interesting story and just an interesting dynamic because they didn't start as enemies at first. They weren't enemies at first. And that very well could have been Craven's game of just getting to know your prey and mm-hmm. just setting up the confrontation, which is, which is what I believe it was. And it is just the, the story arcs between Spider-Man and Craven the Hunter are some of the best that were ever drawn and ever written. Well, besides my Scorpion take, but that's <laughs> I'm saving that for a minute. Yeah, so I, I think, um, like I said, I think that they have confirmed a Craven movie is in the works in development right now. What I would love to see is it take place in the Amazing Spider-Man universe and uh, Andrew Garfield as the Spider-Man in that one. Ooh, yeah, that could, that could work. I think an early 20s to mid 20s Spider-Man against a Craven that's say late 30s early 40s. That would be yeah. really interesting. That would actually be Ooh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh so something else you like 
is Scorpion, obviously. Mm-hmm. Isaac, so that was your number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin, that was was nope, that your number five. four? No, it was five. Oh, that was your five. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's let you go first, and then we'll let Isaac gush a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's smart because uh, the reason why he ranks so low as number five is because I'm not really familiar with his personality like at all. So I I, I couldn't really I couldn't really vouch for him or put him higher. But I I visually like the design of the character and you know green's my favorite color uh but like the idea of you know the scorpion as you know the bigger the bigger uh rival to the spider you know just in that sense Mm -hmm. and you know he's been in like most of the games even from like the the early i think it was 1999 uh the n64 playstation dreamcast game oh yeah yeah that's i think that's where i first uh uh found him and then he was in that 2000 was it 2002 or 2003 probably 2003 the 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 game on the playstation and gamecube yeah the spider-man the movie the game yeah yeah he was in that too i remember seeing that and i recognized him and i know he was in like amazing spider-man game uh i did play through that one a little bit and that one kind of made sense because they had like these uh human hybrid uh human animal hybrid villains and i thought that was a a good play on the on you know changing it up instead of just having them all wear suits like themed around animals they were actually like genetic experiments from oscorp and that was that was interesting uh that was one of the things that game actually had going for it yeah Uh, yeah that's that's cool but yeah i like the design i i I like you know he's bigger he's got it he's got the tail and stuff it'd be very interesting like fight style absolutely uh so isaac obviously you're number one so let's hear what what puts scorpion there for you okay so benjamin already touched on it with the obvious spider versus scorpion arachnid battle type of thing uh that was part of it but uh, if you want to get into the backstory of the original scorpion matt gargan matt gargan was a nobody he was kind of a sleazeball, slimy kind of guy, originally hired by J. Jonah Jameson to try and figure out who is Spider-Man. So that's kind of what happened there, and then eventually couldn't really figure it out, but like Peter could figure out, is this dude tailing me? What in the world's going on? Uh, obviously became more obvious when, when he was Spider-Man, he was being tailed. Uh, and then went through an experiment. I don't, I believe it was through Oscorp. Gave him enhanced strength. It actually made him taller, and they gave him a suit, the Scorpion suit. Uh, Scorpion, in and of himself, is one of the uh, again another early villain, just like Shocker, but also has that early connection not only to Peter but to the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson, Oscorp. He is just not exactly a good team player for a lot of these elements of the Spider Verse. So it would just be an interesting point. to. It would be a good way to introduce an actual live-action JJJ into the MCU. It would be a good way to introduce Oscorp and their machinations and their shenanigans when it comes to experiments on humans would be an interesting way, other than obviously the spiders. Uh, there's so much you could do with that storyline and just Sinister Six setup and all of that. Yeah. There's Absolutely. there's a lot you can do with it because obviously he was part of the Sinister Six of the PS4 Spider-Man video game. Uh, he's been a founding member of the Sinister Six in the comics. It's just there's a lot you can do 
with Matt Gargan's Scorpion. And even if you don't want to go that route, there's been an iteration of Scorpions in just about every iteration of the Spider-Verse. That, that just tells you how much of a staple that Scorpion is. Yeah, and they, they, did, they did introduce Matt Gargan in Spider-Man Homecoming, and they kind of teased it. Yeah. And he was much more menacing than even Vulture was. Yep. Um, and they haven't paid off on that yet. But I, there is a lot of potential uh, for all those reasons that you guys both listed there. I think another interesting point to be made is they might, they might actually have Matt Gargan take on a different mantle before Scorpion, uh, and that could be Venom. Because he has been Venom in the comics more recently. Exactly, that actually yeah. would be, and he's a more vicious Venom, a much yep, more yep. vicious Venom. He feeds into Venom's rage complex a lot more than Eddie does. Yeah, and they so could, I, and with that, then you could transform Eddie into anti-Venom. Of course, of course, yeah. So because we, we saw the symbiote obviously be left behind from uh, Tom Hardy's Venom at the end of No Way Home, that was a post-credit scene. Um, so that. They're going to do something with Venom in the MCU. Uh, I don't know that they'll necessarily want to start with Eddie Brock, um, and I don't think they can use the MCU's Flash Thompson as Venom because he's just too much of, of a nerd. <laughs> so mm. I think Matt Gargan would be a good starting point of the characters we've seen existing within the MCU version of, of Spider-Man. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that one. And, and to go along with that, another one of those mutilation accidents happened to Mac, and that's why he became Venom. And I believe it was for, no, it's not the Thunderbolts, it's, uh, oh, God, what's Norman Osborn's group? Oh, the, the Dark Avengers. Yes. I didn't think it was the Dark Avengers. Which I thought the, that was too much on the head, but apparently that's what, that is what it is. No, and they've actually been building towards the Dark Avengers uh, as a, a sub-storyline in the, the TV shows and in Black Widow. So mm -hmm. they've, they've hinted on that with, like, these evil versions of like captain america in u.s agents we have um yelena belova black... from yep. black widow exactly so they could totally bring in matt gargan as venom um and join that team as well it would make a lot of sense i like that so we, we had a couple of uh let let's kind of just put out the honorable mentions here because uh we want to make sure people know that we did we did our homework we, we considered everyone um i i mentioned one of my honorable mentions was hobgoblin um, because he's been kind of teased a little bit, very subtly, so I didn't want to consider him for that. The other honorable mention I had was um, Miles Morales, because while it wasn't live action, he was the star of the Spider-Verse, and obviously they're already making have this, the sequel to that, so like he is being represented on screen, just not in live action, and they did hint at him as well in, in Homecoming with uh, Aaron Davis talking about his nephew. So like that seems inevitable. And so that's why I didn't really consider him for, for my list. What about you guys? And any other honorable mentions you haven't mentioned yet? I, I also had Hobgoblin as an honorable mention, but it, you know, with the uh, Willem Dafoe's reprise as a uh, green goblin and stuff, I, you know, I wasn't sure if we were all goblined out or something, but uh, yeah, I mean, just it, his, his character is a little more interesting to me because he, he's basically he's it's the same experiment and serum that norman osborne did but he basically curated it to get rid of the insanity side effects so he, uh, i mean that could potentially make him a lot more dangerous in a sense or absolutely mm -hmm. yeah so I, isaac did you have any uh well i did have agent venom was definitely one of those for the anti-hero side then i had two villains that we've kind of seen cameos of already but we haven't seen them fully developed on screen. So Alexei Sitsevich, a.k.a. the Rhino, which we saw at uh, the beginning and the end of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, 
where he was the mobster and then in that big ass mechanical rhino suit, but we never really got the character development in between. I feel like that's kind of what's missing there. And it would be wonderful to actually see that play out on screen. And then one that we had a little bit of a discussion over, uh, Kingpin, who we've seen in the side series of Hawkeye, at the very least make an appearance. And obviously he made an appearance in the Netflix Marvel shows, but he hasn't made an appearance as a big bad in the films themselves. And honestly, I can't wait for when Vincent D'Onofrio retakes that mantle on the big screen and is just, I'm the Kingpin, what you gonna do about it? Right. Yeah. I- I want nothing more than to see uh, Spider-Man and Daredevil team up to take him down. Oh, yeah. there is there is nothing more that would give me more nerd pleasure than that. <laughs> and that sounds wrong, but it's 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 all right. No, no, there's nothing wrong about nerd pleasure. In fact, I think we should end on nerd pleasure. <laughs> Wait, I have one more honorable mention. I totally skipped over. I only named Hobgoblin. Um, you guys are going to get a kick out of this, but have you guys ever heard of a villain called Kangaroo? Yes. No. <laughs> he is such an oddball, but I, I like it. <laughs> That's why I threw him in there kind of as a oh joke. Because uh, he's just, he's got, uh, in the comics, he kind of looks like He-Man um, a little bit with the, with the hair. And he's he's got like... I, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of like glanced over his backstory, but I think he, he trained in Australia, he took up boxing, and he trained with kangaroos, um, and if I check what... He it, can just hop. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got, in, yeah, he can actually like hop like larger like lo- than the average human uh, because of his training, and I think um, if I look at super, if I look at uh, Wikipedia... The Frank Oliver version of Kangaroo had his natural abilities enhanced by Jonas Harrow's implants connected to his nervous system, giving him superhuman strength in his legs and the ability to leap great heights and distances. And he was per- he was trained as a professional boxer. I, it, it, <laughs> that I, would just be fun. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's out there. I know maybe he could be a side villain like as a joke like for a scene, but I thought it was just so ridiculous. That would work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was so ridiculous. I had to like put him as an honorable mention because that's mm-hmm. just so ri- Spider-Man versus Kangaroo. Yep. Yeah, I I I I stand corrected because I think Kangaroo is the way to end this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> as, as much as I want to talk about like my entire list of honorable mentions, I, I I stuck to my major too. There was a couple more that I'd love to see, but I'm not sure uh, if we'll. If, I'm hoping we get to see them. It it obviously fills into more of the criminal element of Spider-Man, but I think we 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 gotta end on Kangaroo. Kangaroo is just fun. Of course. Well, I I don't think we're I I I don't think we're gonna see the Spider-Man machine slow down at any point soon at this rate. So God, I hope uh, not. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Morbius is dropping. Uh, I mean, the day this episode releases. So I, I'm sure all three of us will be checking it out. Um, definitely gonna do a review episode. Um, you both are, are welcome to hop on with me for that one. I'd love to have you if you're available. Um, but yeah, guys, I, I, let's get out of here. Any Anything you want to plug before we leave? Uh, Benjamin, what about you? Uh, I have a SoundCloud, but there's nothing really much uploaded to it. But stuff will be coming later in the year. Um, so we'll, I'll, I'll throw you a link to that. Um, so so look, look forward to some – I got some weird stuff. I have one radio show uh, posted when I was in college, and I have a, a weird – um, movie soundscape kind of uh, sci-fi clip that I posted 
but more, more stuff coming in in the future. So that's that's all I have to plug. Cool. Yeah, definitely uh, check that out and stay tuned for for what's to come. Um, and then Isaac, obviously, uh, as Infernal Griffin, uh, still rocking on Twitch and YouTube. And, and where else can people find you? Uh, yep, definitely at the twitch.tv forward slash Infernal Griffin for all my gameplay and what and what have you. Uh, obviously, any good moments I will be getting uh, pulled out and put over onto YouTube. I don't have my own specific link yet, but if we get to that 100 subscriber threshold, we can, we can get there. Uh, but you can also find me. I've got a Facebook page where I post uh, when I go live with the uh, with the streams and when I post my YouTube videos, as well as on Twitter. Uh, everything's the same handle across the way. So I would appreciate anything and everything uh, y'all see fit. And uh, TJ, I appreciate you guys having me on once again. It's It's been fun, and I would be happy to join for the review. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are both uh, on, the, on the recurring guest list in my book. Uh, it was a great conversation. Happy to have you both here, and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for checking out this Waiting in the Sky Rewind. I absolutely loved Across the Spider-Verse, and especially with Benjamin giving us a little bit of a tease in the future with the mention of the spot, I've been thinking a lot about this conversation. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'd love to hear your thoughts on our list, as well as what you thought about Across the Spider-Verse and what characters you hope to see in a future Spidey project. Drop any or all of that in the comments to join the conversation. If you're not already following the work that Benjamin and Isaac create, please consider checking them out by following the links in the description. As for me, I'm hoping to have some new podcast episodes as well as some video-exclusive projects to share with you all shortly. Keep an eye out for that and consider subscribing so you don't miss anything. With that said, I'm TJ Starman, and this has been a Waiting in the Sky Rewind. I hope you'll stick around for more.